0: We have a great small business show on Kansas Radio every Sunday from 11 a.m. to noon called Mighty Main Street, the Faces and Places of Utah. We're interviewing our small business owners and organization leaders who are working hard to navigate our current challenges, and they're telling their stories. We can thank Visit Salt Lake and Utah Office of Tourism for providing this small business opportunity because they understand the importance. I have Kelly Bricker with me, and she's the chair professor of Parks and Recreation Tourism at the University of Utah. She's in the College of Health, and we were discussing the fact that this is a major. As we have students that come in, not just from Utah, but from around. Do they come in? Do we have students coming in from around the world to attend the University of Utah in this yes, major? Yes, we do. Do we really?
2: Yes, we do. We have approximately two hundred and forty students. We have undergraduate, masters, and PhD program. So. I'll told, you know, we're about 240, 250 on a, any given year. From where? You mean from which state or from yeah, just, yeah, where yeah, they just, live? Or? Yeah, like d- different, okay.
0: different regions, maybe different global regions. So give us an idea of sure. some of the people that are coming in from around the world, because I think that's interesting.
2: We've had students from China. Chinese are, are well into the tourism industry. Obviously, it's very important to their economy. And to come and study and learn English... And learn about America and American tourists, you know a nice education. so we've had students from there, we've had students from Denmark, we've had students from Africa, the continent, all over different different countries within africa so So we do get a broad array of students coming to the University of Utah, but also to our major. Um, and then from the U.S., they come from all parts of the U.S. because I think we have the greatest snow on earth. Mm-hmm. And that's been proven. And I think I think just the recreational opportunities are a draw for students from other states.
0: Well, and especially, Kelly, if this is their major, five national parks. Oh, it's a great major. Oh, yes, yeah, it's a great major. <laughs> and it, you're absolutely it, just right in the middle of it. You can go to class and then you can just step right out of the classroom and you can be up in the mountains and you know, 15, 20 minutes. I mean, you can just go up on the bench. You're in nature. Yes.
2: And we absolutely do that. It's a very experiential learning major. Um, But also we have, you know, we have major league sports teams right here in Salt Lake City. We have convention and visitors bureaus. We have the tourism industry. It will thrive again. And uh, actually, Utah parks have been <laughs> inundated with visitors from all over the world. So um even during a pandemic. So um we do expect this to be continue to be a very critical part of society and a very critical profession going forward.
0: Kelly, in your professional opinion, which which certainly we value uh based on your experience and your education, in your professional opinion, how do we handle the growth responsibly? I mean we do we did introduce the parks and, uh, and they certainly are Mighty Five. Uh, we've introduced this to a lot of people and people have discovered it just because they needed to, you know, for their sense of well-being. How do we manage this incredible growth and attraction to Utah and to the parks?
2: Yeah, I think it, it's one of those things that has multiple prongs to it. So visitor education, we've talked about mm-hmm. um, ensuring that people know there are alternative places to go during peak times. You know, we have beautiful views all over the state they don't all have to go to angels landing to see a beautiful view so really learning helping to educate the visitor on when there are peak times and giving them other opportunities other places to go and and see why they they're here also you know there's a lot of visitor management happening on the ground so for example in parks there are frameworks, there are tools that managers have to help organize visitors, sometimes unbeknownst to them, to help them have a quality experience. So it's really figuring out how to, you know, how many uh, transport buses do we need? Uh, what what do lines look like? If there's a huge crowd, should we permit people at certain trailheads? So there's a lot of techniques that can be used to help actually manage the destination, even outside a park, but also manage visitors within parks. And and I think more and more you're going to see places that have very high peak seasons at certain times of year figuring out strategies to do that. And um, we spend entire semester studying those techniques uh, because, you know, they're varied and they're very specific to situations that destinations or parks may be facing. But there's also sustainability frameworks. Uh, For example, the Global Sustainable Tourism Council has guidance on how to manage destinations in a more sustainable way. And there are strategies that we can incorporate and use to, to help make the visitor experience much more quality.
0: Do you do policy work? I mean, I I could hear you in Washington D.C. I could hear you doing policy work. Do you do policy work? Well, I guess I guess in a way we do because you know we're always
2: looking. Most of these ideas um, are voluntary, and so many destinations around the world are adopting these strategies for the long term. You know, and that's the thing we're looking to the next generation of users and visitors, and we want to ensure. That these places that we see today are here tomorrow and here for that next generation beyond all of us. So I think that's the care and attention that's needed at many places that do have that problem and are experiencing, you know, what some have labeled over tourism, but it's basically experiencing the negative growth of tourism in an area. Honestly, during this past year, many governments have been looking towards sustainability, saying, if we're going to build back, we need to build back better. And we need to do this in a more sustainable way. So governments are adopting some of these strategies to help you know, ensure the long-term benefits of what Tourism can provide.
0: You know, Kelly it was interesting when we were talking about outfitters and uh, Utah Office of Tourism and all these ways that uh, uh, and visit Salt Lake. All these ways that we can educate visitors and educate our population and certainly our employees, staff, uh, our guests, making sure that they have a great experience when they're here. Do we have a central point where this needs to be to make sure that it is being organized and that we are keeping it sustainable for the next generation? Is there a central point?
2: Um, it's, no, unfortunately. You know, I think it's a—it's everybody. It's multi-stakeholder organization because it really takes everybody from, you know, departments of transportation to sewage and water people to hoteliers to uh, city planners and national park managers. It takes all of us working together. Something central that people are rallying around are this sustainable tourism criteria pulling in together around this criteria multiple stakeholders and that's when it works well is when everybody's invested and everybody plays a role in determining the future vision of their community or their park Um, and that's that's when it works really well but it takes everybody joining together so and as a result, you have many outlets for that information. It may come out of the Office of Tourism, it may come out of the Governor's Office of Outdoor Recreation, you know, and it's okay. It's good to have it come out from multiple places so that everybody's engaged.
0: That makes all the sense in the world. I guess what I'm envisioning is a convener and I really see the University of Utah and uh, clearly the College of Health, but I really see the University of Utah leading out or at least convening all the stakeholders because you're right, it's so many, if you think across a map of that, it's huge. It's so many people in so many different areas and so many different industries, but I do see the University of Utah uh, leading out and being a convener. I think I just put some more on your plate, Kelly. I really apologize.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm feeling that now. Well, you know, we're happy to do it too. I think universities are places where people are learning To solve problems as a university for Utah, which our former president always talked about. I, I believe in that, you know, I believe universities need to be that place where we're helping communities solve problems. I would totally agree with you. And, you know, I think there's a lot of us interested in, in helping to solve problems going forward.
0: Kelly, thank you so much for your time today. You are brought to us by Utah Office of Tourism, Kelly Bricker, Chair and Professor of Parks, Recreation and Tourism at the University of Utah College of Health. Kelly, all the best to you. Thank you for your great and thoughtful work.
2: Well, thank you so much. It was a joy speaking with you today.
0: You've been listening to our Mighty Main Street show, The Faces and Places of Utah. You can find us on the podcast page of ksonewsradio.com. I'm Chris Redgrave, host of Mighty Main Street. Join us again next Sunday to hear more from our business community from 11 a.m. to noon on KSL News Radio.
1: I'm Dave Cawley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home.